0: On uh, this week's episode, Lee Griffin talks about the favorite toy that he never had. If you
1: spin a dreidel real fast or a top with the dreidel or a top, you can just
0: like a dreidel. It's not like a dreidel. No, that's like a top. Oh, like a disc in this like a dreidel. No, no,
1: no I think it's just like
0: a dreidel. Yeah, It's not like a dreidel. Would you agree with that or not? You you apparently just had dreidels, even though you're not even from a Jewish family. I never had a dreidel in my life. I've never had a dreidel. Okay. I just know what they are. Scott Boris talks about pushy pilots. What if you fly in a pusher? And I learn how to use my words. It's that spiraling strip, 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 strip stream, <laughs> slip stream. Welcome to the podcast. This week we are covering left turning tendencies, which there are four of them. If you are the uninitiated to flight listener at this point, um, the gist of it, airplanes tend to turn left in some scenarios, um, mainly takeoff when you got a lot of power setting and not too much airspeed going and, um, during takeoff and you got to apply right rudder to overcome this. And these are the four reasons why why aircraft do this Scott do you remember the four what the four are
2: uh no no you do know you do notice the left turning tendencies three big ones well it's not that intense in the 150 but yes there is you know yeah left turning I remember a little bit in the 150. if you're in a a more high powered you know propeller piston aircraft you'll notice it quite a bit on takeoff yeah right and then the more yeah the more power you get
1: in a single yeah. engine airplane they'll yeah. start having rudder trim as well yeah. so if you're doing like a sustained climb up to altitude you're not just holding that with you your foot the rudder yeah yeah so but yeah in a 150 years there's, there's not it's much it's not to it.
2: much i mean maybe a little but i think i just counter i just counter it automatically i don't really even think about it you know
1: oh totally totally
2: yeah. But, you notice it a lot in
0: tailwheel
2: aircraft. Yeah. I've never flown a tailwheel, but I suppose... you. Well, I've flown a Cub a little bit, but yeah, I suppose it would be more dramatic in a tailwheel because not as easy to correct it.
0: You're on the rudders in a tailwheel aircraft.
2: Definitely. Yeah. I flew it a, a lot of times because of this type of thing. I flew a Saratoga once, and on takeoff, I was quite surprised by how much right rudder i needed it's pretty i mean used to flying at 150 it was a lot it just seemed like i was putting a lot of pressure on the right rudder to keep it straight
0: 300 300 horsepower versus 100 horsepower there right
2: yeah yeah
1: there's some other fact i mean there's other factors in it but you know like you have a long leverage arm on that rudder too so think how Think how bad that would be if you had a Saratoga that was as short as a 150 with that 300 horsepower. Yeah, think about that.
2: Yeah, if you had if you had a upgraded engine on a smaller plane.
1: Yes, that's a consideration. So think this is a perfect one, like a a Piper Dakota or like a 182. It's got 230 horsepower, but it's basically you know marginally larger than a 172, but it's got maybe. 50 more horsepower. That starts to that and and they they those do take considerable amounts of rudder compared to you know 172 or 150 as far as entry level trainers go. But they have have the rudder trim that, that
0: helps. Yeah, What's the 182. That? It's the on the 182 um, being significantly more left turning tendency than the 172. Well, and then go
1: through a three bladed prop on it where it's really digging in. I mean it just kind of helps. I mean it's obviously it's nothing that's completely uncontrollable, but if you've flown a two-bladed prop one eighty-two, and then you go to a three-bladed, it is it's you can tell a difference. I could, I could tell a difference. And I don't have that much time in them.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm I'm back this week, uh, in the pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge is what we're gonna be uh basing this off of. Um the four factors, which we'll we'll just state all four of them now and then go into each individual one. Uh Torque reaction from engine and propeller. Uh, corks minimal. Corkscrewing effect of the slipstream is two. Uh, three is gyroscopic action of the propeller, and four is asymmetrical loading of the propeller, or P factor in parentheses. They they say it. Um, so you say the first one we're going to cover is the least. Is the least out of the four? Lee, is the torque reaction? That
1: yeah if, if it's a straight left turning tendency and you're talking about a tricycle gear airplane, that would be minimal if you look at it like you go watch an airplane do a run up or start with a cowling off these engines the there are the engine mounts are already tweaked to offset some of that torque anyways yeah the more more power like we were just talking about Saratoga is one thing, but that's more of an equivalent to, to thrust that's why that's why that's there but um P, uh, the torque of the engine is minimal a lot of the um to, the negating Effects are already engineered into the airframe. There's a little bit of cant on the uh, vertical stabilizer, and the engine mount has a little bit of twist in it already to offset a lot of that. I don't. I think that's a very small percentage of what we feel, because if that were the case, as soon as you put the power up, the airplane would drastically start veering, and it doesn't. Yeah, it may a little bit, but that's if you think about all of the other. Like when you go to rotate and we talk about P factor and you're in a your tricycle gear airplane, that's when it really wants to go left. but we can we can get into that. I would say I would say that's the minimal or the least of the three of the three big ones in a tricycle gear airplane.
0: Okay, so torque reaction, just to break it down before we move on, is if you're sitting in the cockpit looking at the propeller in front of you on a single engine plane, that air that propeller is turning clockwise. So the top of the prop is going to the right, and that's a twisting motion. And Newton's, uh, Newton's third law of physics, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction that wants to make the whole airplane want to turn counterclockwise off of that prop is the theory. Um, and that's going to make it kind of the left wing want to go down more, right wing want to kind of come up more is the, uh, the theory of uh, the torque reaction aspect of this left-turning tendencies. Um, I didn't realize they had so many mods and stuff you were just saying to to prevent this, though. So. Yeah. yeah. It says the factors of this the size and horsepower of engine, size of propeller and the RPM, size of aircraft, and condition of ground surface? What would the condition of ground surface mean?
1: So, um, if you think about it, like, uh, the best way, I don't know exactly what they mean, but if you think about it, think of trying to do a run-up so like it's it's a slippery slippery tarmac or runway or whatever and you try and do a run up and hold the brakes, you it, you don't have any friction so you can just slide.
2: So I would think it's like if you're on pavement, it's not going to slide the front wheel over. If you're in tricycle gear, you know, it's not going to slide the front wheel over as easy. If you're on grass or gravel or something, it's going to pull more.
1: That is exactly the point I'm trying to make. I was trying to make it in a. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the that's the point I'm trying to make too. But picture something slippery, like that dimension, I think people understand. The side to side motion, I don't know that people are necessarily going to yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of an abnormal sensation. I've never had it where you go to put the power in and the torque of that engine starts making the on a on a slippery I've never had that happen, but I've obviously tried to do a run-up on a slippery surface, and I have no – it's just going to drag the tire. Even though the tire stopped, the friction on the surface being loose gravel or something, the thrust is going to overcome that little bit of friction you have, so I guess the torque in this case would overcome the friction too, but I've never seen it. I don't know if any of that made sense. Is that, is that what you're – that's – is that was that a decent – Uh, like analogy for like what you're trying to describe Scott or am I not understanding what you're saying
2: yeah I mean that works I'm just thinking like obviously your front wheel is going to be pulled over easier on a slippery surface rather than a dry paved surface right
1: yeah we're yeah we're on the same page yeah I was trying to think of the analogy in a you know forward back which we've all experienced yeah and, and, but the, what they're describing, what you're describing accurately is the side to side motion when you put the power in.
2: So I imagine if you are flying something that pulls pretty hard to the left, if you have a crosswind that's also in that direction on takeoff, be an The weather
1: veining tendency, you mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have a, yeah, let's say you have a crosswind that's blowing you to the left at the same time.
1: It'd have to be coming. It'd have to be coming from the left to weather Vane into it.
2: Okay. That's going oh, to yeah, yeah, push right, the right. tail. Yeah, because it's pushing the tail. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting thing to think about, though. Yeah. Because
0: a, a right crosswind, fr- or a crosswind f- wind coming from your right is going to cause more of a left-turning tendency.
2: Right. See, I was thinking... No, right no, it wouldn't. Would be- no. No, wind would have to
1: be from the left to weather Vane into the wind.
0: Okay. Yeah. That in my head, that's what I was picturing. I said it wrong.
2: That's what. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You said the wrong direction. And you meant my right thought way. is like the wind coming from the left would push you to the left, but it would turn the nose into the wind. So I guess that would make up for it. And then they're noting here, um,
0: before we move on, kind of saying what you did. Generally, the compensating factors are permanently set so that they compensate for this force at cruising speed. Yes. Because most of the aircraft's operating time is at that speed. Yes. Um, so that's that's why you're going to notice that, that most of those modifications you're speaking of are set for cruising flight, aren't they? Yeah, but think about your power setting
1: and all that stuff. Yeah, low airspeed, so you don't have as much rudder authority, but... Yeah. I've never had an airplane, even in the Saratoga, where you put the power in and it immediately starts going hardcore left on you. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
0: I've only ever had it in tailwheel stuff where it gets squirrely.
1: Yeah, but that's once you push well, that's once you bring the tail up, right? Yeah. Right. So I've never had anything where you're static and you bring the power up and it's immediately trying to take you off the side of the runway. A little bit. No, it's once you get moving. Once you get moving
2: it Seems to pull a little more. We
1: well, yeah, well, that's what I mean. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once you're moving, but not not anything compared to what P factor or gyroscopic precession do. I agree that it's that it's going to take you, but I think it's I think it's minimal compared to P factor. Yeah.
0: and it's probably depends on the make and model airplane too. Of course, yeah.
1: I think we've all flown enough of them, though. I mean, unless you guys
0: disagree, unless you guys disagree, I don't, I don't disagree. I just, I didn't know there was a big. I thought it was just always a combination of it. I, I'd have never really thought before about one being more of a issue than the other, other than like tailwheel stuff. Yeah. Obviously, that throws a kink and a lot of changes some stuff up a little bit compared to a tricycle gear.
1: Yeah, yeah. We can as we go through the list here. We can.
0: Yep. Uh, The next one's corkscrew effect. Mm. This is the, um, they describe it as the high speed rotation of an aircraft propeller gives a corkscrew or spiral spiraling rotation to the slip stream at Mm -hmm. high propeller speeds and low forward speed as in the takeoff and approaches to power on stalls. The spiraling rotation is very compact and exerts a strong sideward force on the aircraft's vertical tail surface. So. So basically the prop turning clockwise from how it's viewed from the pilot sitting in the cockpit, Mm -hmm. that's causing a clockwise air screw, the direction of relative wind uh, around the airplane, we'll call it for lack of a better descriptor. Um, So that's basically on the top of the airplane, it's got air going to the right. On the bottom of the airplane, it's got air going towards the left and then the the vertical stabilizer sticking up there, so it's on the it's on the uh, it's up in the air. That's going more towards the right, so that's like we just mentioned earlier. You got stuff hitting the left side of that vertical stabilizer. It's going to push the tail to the right, which is going to push the nose to the left and cause yet another left turning tendency. Yes,
1: we used to just call that spiraling slipstream. That's yeah, the- which is all. Buried in there. That's weird that they've changed the name of it or how they're describing it. Spiraling slipstream. It's so easy to understand.
2: I'm on AOPA's website right now, and that's what they're calling it. Spiraling
0: strips. The next the next sentence in the next paragraph is, is when this spiraling strips slipstream strikes the vertical fin, it causes a yawing moment about the aircraft's vertical axis.
1: Oh, thank God. Vertical axis. Gotta memorize what those axes yes.
0: are. Yes. It's that spiraling strips strip stream stream. (laughs) (laughs) slip stream yeah that's it that's
1: and and so i think that along with torque those two working in concert i think are giving you those instantaneous uh left turning that yaw that left yaw when you're just you're static you bring the power up and you just you're just beginning to start rolling that is where those are most prominent and I still think those two working together are minimal compared to the instantaneous uh, effects of rotating uh, to a, a liftoff attitude with a high power setting. And, and of course, uh, the, the gyroscopic procession, like in a tailwheel, which we'll talk about. But those two working together are giving you that immediate left-turning tendency um, once you start rolling. I, I just don't think it's that prominent.
0: You do you do notice it right off, right out of the gate, and then you put in the right rudder, and then as long as you, once you get that motion down for each make and model plane I've been in, it's it's kind of a non-issue after that. It's yes. just learning learning how much right rudder to put in.
1: Yes, it's uh, yeah, and that's the thing with most like single engine airplanes. It's always you're rarely using left rudder at all. It's always varying degrees of right rudder. It seems like, yeah. For
0: sure. With a jet, you don't have that. You're actually, you don't have any of the, almost any of
2: this stuff, do you?
1: No, you don't have any of it. It's all your feet flat on the floor for the most part. I still keep my feet up there, but I mean.
2: In a twin, you wouldn't have it either, would you? In a what? In a twin?
1: No, you still will. You'll still have it. Depending, you know, like in certain twins, they have what are called counter rotating props where they spin opposite each other and they, yeah. you know, get rid of a lot of a lot of well, some of these you're still um um. I can't think of what you would have as long as both engines are turning. Yeah, as long as both engines are turning, but like, you know, certain airplanes, a lot of the, in the more beginning, you know, the Apache, the twin, there's two different models of twin Comanche, which most people don't realize. Um, But one of them is they're unidirectional, meaning they both turn the same way. So you, you have some of those, the, um, some of those uh, turning tendencies um, are still there, but a lot of, most of the high performance stuff is now counter rotating. So they, offset each other. And so it's yeah, it's pretty much feet flat on the floor. Unless an engine fails, of course. Same thing with the jet. And actually jets, the engines both turn do turn the same direction, but the way they make thrust, it doesn't really matter that they're spinning the same direction. It doesn't matter.
0: It's just getting blast a jet blast thrown out the back. Yeah, Yeah,
1: right. There's there the, the spiral to to the air to the air coming out the back is, you know, whatever. Maybe not even existent. Even though the engine's spinning a certain direction,
0: yeah, I i have always heard that in the jets, all a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff becomes irrelevant, and a lot of new factors come into play. That For I'm sure, sure we'll get For to sure. in future episodes. What if you fly in a pusher? Ooh, does that have that effect on some stuff? Uh,
1: it's so it depends I mean I can't say that it would necessarily always be I don't know that much about any of them so I'm going out on a limb which I don't want to do but yeah it, it depends on which direction the engine is spinning is it spinning the same direction as the front engine no what, the, if, you it's know, just, those the what if
2: it's just a pusher
1: oh just a pusher oh like a long ease or something like that
2: yeah.
0: or like um the icon amphibious like the a5 it's in the back I wonder. I, I don't know I just I wonder if there's pro- probably some effect
1: think about it your gyroscopic precession should I don't have to think about your springing on me but yeah I think some of the things would almost be opposite and remember that now it might be minimal because you're you're actually you're pivoting around a point that's further that's both maybe forward of the engine and forward of the rudder which is interesting normally everything is aft of the engine if you think about it your pivot yeah. point and you have to wor- wor- worry about that and kind of look at it like that where the engine is probably you know behind the center of gravity that's inter- yeah i mean i, I would have to, to sit and think about it cuz you can be that's the thing about half this stuff you can be wrong for all of the right reasons you just didn't yeah. think about it just quite right to come up with the right solution. I'd have to think about it some. It's
0: interesting. None of us have flown one of those. I've never even thought about how a rear engine would affect this stuff. Um, no, never. That so basically wraps up the, the corkscrew effect. Like I said, this is this one doesn't even have a picture, so it is okay for the audio format we're using to describe it. We're trying to paint these pictures in your mind through your earbuds. Or car stereo, or however you're listening. You got any more on that, Willie? Spiling slipstream. Um, no, Corksc- you don't. Know,
1: well, yeah. What is it called? Corkscrew. What?
0: Corkscrew effect, Mister Griffin. Effect.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I think that's it. Uh, uh, again, I think the the things that are causing it with are not cause Well, I think they've built some things into the airframe on most aircraft. Like having that uh, the the vertical stabilizer being canted a little bit um, to offset built in, but like you said, that is going to be for cruise airspeeds, cruise power settings. Um, so we're you know we're a high power setting on takeoff, but we're not even close to cruise airspeed. So that that's why you're going to have to put in a little bit of extra rudder deflection to counteract it. But I imagine by the time you're getting to 80, you know, depending on what airplane it is, 60, 80 knots. Most of those things aerodynamically are being taken care of. Then we're going to transfer, like I've been talking about, we're going to transfer to the more prominent factors of P factor and gyroscopic precession. Once we get to that 60 to 80 and lift-off speed type stuff.
0: Yes, and we will do that after a short restroom break. Gyroscopic action. Um, This is the number three of the four left-turning tendencies. Uh, It says, Before the gyroscopic effects of the propeller can be understood, it is necessary to understand the basic principle of a gyroscope. All practical applications of the gyroscope are based upon two fundamental properties of gyroscopic action. Rigidity in space and precession. The one of interest for this discussion is precession. So if you have ever played with a gyro as a kid, something that spins, you'll notice that if once you get it spinning, it wants to stay in place. That's how they, you can put it on the table and it, it stays spinning. Um, and when you pick it up and you try to turn it like a dreidel, it's not like a dreidel. No, that's like a top. Oh, a dreidel is like a, oh. a Jewish top, right?
2: A Jewish yeah.
0: top?
2: I don't know. Yeah,
0: dreidel, don't dreidel, dreidel. dreidel. I made you out of clay. Isn't that a yeah? Hanukkah. Yeah, something? it
1: is. Yeah, nailed it, dude.
0: Yeah, that that's not a that's not a gyroscope though. I don't think.
1: Oh, there's no rigidity in space happening. It probably it
0: probably has gyroscopic oh. effects to keep it up, but the one I'm thinking of nice. is like the th- you take a string, wrap it up. And then you yank the string out of it, so it spins super fast, like a disc in this. Like a dreidel. No. no,
1: no. I think it's just like a dreidel. Yeah,
0: it's not like a dreidel.
1: I I I would love for you to tell me what's different. The dreidel is a top because
0: there's there's bearings in the gyroscope toy I'm talking about. There's no bearings required in a dreidel. Okay. But the
1: functionality aspect of it, I guess, what's different?
0: It's similar but less demonstrative because you can't pick up a dreidel and cri- and and feel the procession, which is what this is all based off of. Or I a, see okay. a gyroscope toy. You can there's a the non-moving section of it. You yeah, can pick, you can pick, up, pick it
1: up. Yeah, I got to you. Okay.
0: Allow the disc to keep spinning while you play with it. And okay. If you have not, if you had a deprived childhood. And you are now getting into flying and you have never done this. I would recommend like just ordering one. It can't be that expensive. And it's, nothing will make this click in your mind like having one of these little toys where you can actually get the, get the gyroscope gyro going and feel that gyroscopic effect by holding it in your hand and like, okay, this is what happens when the airplane pitches up and you pitch it up and it's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Would you agree with that or not? You you apparently just had dreidels, even though you're not even from a Jewish family. I never had a dreidel in my
1: life. I've never had a dreidel. Okay. I just know what they are. All the principles still apply, but I forgot the fact that you could pick that up. You can tap the side. Like, if you spin a dreidel real fast or a top and you hit the top of, like the spindle that you spin it with, you hit that, you can see the procession. And the uh, rigidity, well, the rigidity in space concept is inherent because it's standing upright because it's spinning so fast. That's how motorcycles, that's how bicycles, that's how you maintain balance. That's rigidity in space. The wheels are spinning so fast, they're basically a vertical gyroscope. That's how those work. And with the dreidel or a top, you can just, with your finger, just a light tap, and you can see precession, which is what we're talking about. That's the prominent factor with um, the gyroscopic, well fact force whatever they're calling it here i used to call it gyroscopic uh yeah gyroscopic precession. that's what i used to call it but they're calling it Get yeah so that that's that is the main factor here with with um with the way the prop works it basically functions as a big gyroscope big gyroscope just like a motorcycle wheel or something like that um but you can take the the top and spin it and just give it a little tap of your finger on the top and you can see that it does not go like, let's say you're tapping from left to right. You can see that it doesn't go right. It'll actually go forward from you, away from you. That's gyroscopic precession. So the force you put on it acts um, forward and 90 degrees ahead in its directional pl- like plane, in its plane of movement. So um, I don't know if you have more that you're going to bring in here, Rob, or not, Um but an, an, another thing is you can take a box fan get it running full blast on high pick it up and then like just kind of you give it like a, a wrist flip and see
2: you'll yeah yeah,
1: you'll see that it's not going to go in the direction that you flipped it it's going to try and pull it 90 degrees from whichever you got to kind of think about what you expect it to do because it's not super intuitive when you flip your wrist you have to think about what the what the uh blade like where the gyroscopic plane is for the fan blades that's what you're manipulating so you have to think about okay if i try and i'm holding it and I want to flip the bottom blade, the bottommost blade up. Where is it going to take where is it going to take me? So and, and you have to think you have to think about it and like right now I can't even talk and think about it at the same time to tell you which way it's going to go, but it's going to go 90 degrees ahead in that plane of rotation. And that's why it's a fact. That's why it's a left turning tendency for us in aircraft in a tailwheel. In a tailwheel
0: because tail this is
1: yeah, it wouldn't be a factor at all in a tricycle gear airplane.
0: Yeah, so tailwheel, it's got a stance where it's pointing kind of up in the air. When all three, when the tailwheel's down on the ground. And when you bring that tailwheel up, is the first, that little wheel on the back. You bring that up first, and you're on those two main gears. That action of pivoting that tail up off of the ground, it's causing the engine to tilt down because it's out front of the, the landing gear. And that tilt, that tilting, is causing the gyroscopic precession to e- exaggerate um, the left turning tendencies even more than in a tricycle gear airplane when none of this is happening. In fact, when you pitch up to take off in a tricycle gear, that's going to cause a right turning tendency. Correct? If yeah. if any, it's left. It's a left. It's it's still left. How is it? how is it still left because the p the p
1: factor is the most prominent left turning tendency
0: no i'm talking the the gyroscopic precession
1: oh you fact i guess it would get lo- that would get lower yes but it would be overcome by the p factor you'll have to put in more right rudder
0: you're not noticing the uh you're not noticing it on a um trike uh conventional gear nose wheel airplane because yeah, the other forces are still overcoming it, correct? Or Is that off base?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you delineate really any of these. What's you know more prominent at any point in time? It's just thinking through it. You know that that tells you what you know what it is. You know, you have the delineation between. Um, I have all three in a tricycle gear. I have all three wheels on the ground. So you can kind of guess. what is is the more prominent left-turning tendency at at the stage as you roll down the runway? When you go to rotate to a nose-up pitch attitude to lift off, what has changed? The only thing that's changed is the angle of attack on that descending propeller blade. And so you know that that's P-factor. That's why you get that big kick of uh, left-turning tendency or that need for right rudder to counteract it. You know that's P-factor entering the equation. You're not going to notice that the other items subside all you're going to know is, man, that's a big increase in right rudder that I need right there as I rotated in this single-engine piston airplane. Yes. I don't know to delineate the other ones too much. You know, from a standstill, like we've talked about, you know, you know there's there, it's not P-factor. You know, it's torque and the spiraling slipstream or the corkscrew effect, whatever it's called. You know it's that. There's nothing else happening. But when you change that deck angle, that pitch up attitude to lift off and increase the angle of attack on the wing, you're also increasing the angle of attack on that descending propeller blade. And that's, it's evident, even in a 150 to a new pilot, it'll be evident that airplane is going to try and juke to the left. You know, we all put in that right rudder completely. It's like breathing. You don't even think about it. Like ever. Like it's not even there. And but to a new pilot, we have to think they're going to be, you know, microscopically dissecting these phases of the takeoff roll. And so when you go to pull, you know, back on the yoke to lift off to get to a pitch up attitude, um, you're going to have to increase that that right rudder correspondingly with the amount of pitch uh, back pressure you put in. One thing I will say is I've said all that stuff about that pitch up attitude and whatever. But we ha- you have to remember that it depends on what your liftoff speed is. It depends on what your takeoff liftoff technique is. I tend to be more of a, I'm going to rotate early and ride on my mains, on my main gear, until that pitch attitude that I selected, that angle of attack, works with the amount of airspeed I have to just do a nice smooth lift off, and I know you guys are kind of similar in in that because you guys, you know, you guys are really smooth, and that's a, a hot spot. We all want to be really smooth, and I I find that that's the easiest and smoothest way to do it when the the wing and the airplane kind of tells you when it's ready, and you just kind of lift off the ground. It's nice and smooth, but if you're more on the entry level technique or this is just your technique, you're an advanced pilot, this is your technique, you wait until, okay, the book says at 65 I rotate, meaning I pull back on the yoke to increase the angle of attack, and the airplane just kind of jumps off the ground, for lack of a better term. I I don't think that has you in tune with the airplane, although I understand that's what the book may say, um, and I'm not telling you to go do something unsafe, obviously talk to your flight instructor. But I would definitely go down the road that I'm talking about just a little bit. Don't push too hard if they don't want you to do it. But um, if you're just rolling down the runway and you get to lift-off speed, which is well above stall speed and the airplane already would make plenty of lift, you increase the angle of attack by one or two degrees and you're jumping off the ground. I don't like that because you're not so much, it's not a smooth takeoff, as smooth a takeoff. But that I see that technique. That's a very... Wouldn't you guys say that's probably most people just roll down the runway at a certain speed and then pull back and it just lifts off the ground? I would say most yeah, people do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, possibly, I I know I I don't do that. The only time I'm actually rotating in a, uh, but for for the most part that I can remember is like really soft, like not simulated soft field, like actual soft field takeoff at Huron, where I'd like. I'd be getting going and it's about to get soggy spot that I know. And I'd force it for lack of a better turn up into ground effect. Um, so it's almost like I'm pulling back, but then I'm also then immediately just bringing the nose right back down to keep it right in ground effect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And that's like a textbook soft field takeoff.
0: Yeah. Letting the, uh, letting the airspeed come up right off wheels, right off the runway and then taking off. But if it, yeah, get the wheels out of the mud. In that situation, or I said in mo- in most situations, though, um, I'm just letting that airplane do its thing. You know that it knows when it wants to take off. If I got a little bit of back elevator at, uh, from the start of the takeoff roll, it's gonna you're gonna feel that takeoff, and you just let it take off right when it feel like when the plane is ready. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. It's just no, a feel for it.
1: That, yeah, that's kind of what I'm that's kind of what I'm describing. I'm not saying maybe necessarily right from the first, you know, one or two knots of airspeed, but get through, you know, 30, 40 knots, get some good breath, enough back pressure in to lift the nose gear off. I guess I should have said this. I I tend to and of course I I've, I've been pretty in tune with a lot of the airplanes I've flown. Um and I get in tune pretty quickly, you know, at least with the little airplanes. Um I want that to get that nose gear off the ground pretty early. I set that pitch attitude early and then I ride on the mains until the air that angle of attack and the airspeed work out to the right equation to just do a nice gentle lift off. Um, that that's kind of what I meant to just to, to describe earlier and it sounds like you're doing the same thing. I just I just wouldn't put the back pressure in for the first knot. I mean maybe there's a little bit of unconscious or subconscious back pressure. Scott, what's your what's your technique? I don't even remember what you do.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I just go by the feel of it. You know, I don't know. Just, I can tell. Okay. How, how much back pressure to put in as I'm going. I don't know. I just. Okay. I guess I don't really think about it. Just like, I only fly with one plane. So it's pretty simple. I know when it's ready to fly.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. I get that. Um, what I'm taking off too, I'll when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit. And I'll be going down. It's mostly neutral, I would say. I have the elevator. Yeah. But I'm just kind of like lightly giving it some back, seeing how, how it feels. Basically, in small airplanes, you can with that. Yoke or the stick, like going from neutral a little back, back to neutral a little bit back. You can feel the 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 loads coming out of that control surface. You can feel the you can feel it in the controls. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I think a lot of times a little bit to give me that sense of feel. Like I'm describing, trying to describe something I just do subconsciously, but that might be a little bit of what I'm doing. Just just to get that feel, bringing that just a little bit back. And then as you're going and picking up speed, you can feel that that back pressure just feels different as your airspeed's coming up. And through that process, the plane usually just takes off and you're like, okay, your wheels aren't on the ground anymore. If you do it right, you can't even tell you came up.
1: Right. So, and that's, you You raise a really good point and I want to put a spotlight, necessary, uh, you know, kind of on your... um your technique there, that's all a hallmark of a good instructor is you, you even said it yourself. You're trying to elaborate and talk through something that you do completely subconscious. And that's that, uh, like, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, that is a hallmark of a good instructor. You have to be able to convey what you do completely like autonomously. So I was, I, I would say that was a really good description and you don't even think about it, you know, but Dude, that was a really good walkthrough on how you do it, Rob.
0: We're trying to expand our ability to paint the pictures in your head via the audio format. Um, does that does that wrap up the uh, for the most part the gyroscopic stuff? I feel like, I feel like we covered it. Then the last one's asymmetrical loading P factor, which we've mentioned a, a couple times already.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I'm. I think I'm pretty content with the. Um, with The gyroscopic procession, I would just say you'll not. I would not even say you would ever notice it in a tricycle gear airplane. If you're in a tailwheel, when you bring that tail up, you're bringing um, the descending blade forward. That's what we're worried about. That's that's where a lot of it so you're so uh, that,
0: I thought that's ace as, that's asymmetrical loading though. P factor, you're talking.
1: No, that's the angle of attack. Yeah, but we're raising the nose in, in P-factor. We're changing the angle of attack on the... Um, we're, well, they're both left-hanger tendencies. That's why we're talking about them. One of them is because the angle of attack increasing on the descending propeller blade. That's P-factor. Yes. And, and then the... Um, I guess I shouldn't have said the descending blade, but the gyroscopic plane... We are tilting uh, so that's yeah, we're trying to make it go towards us to more vertical. I
0: well, mean that's
1: what's forcing us to the left.
0: Let's get into ace as- the sure asymmetrical loading P factor is the last one. Um this is basically uh, the They describe it We'll just read it for to get our brains Turning here When an aircraft is flying with a high angle Of attack, the bite of the Downward moving blade is greater Than the bite of the upward moving blade This moves the center of Thrust to the right of the prop Disc area, causing a yawing Moment towards the left Around the vertical axis So basically When you're pitching up that right turning counter or the clockwise turning plane as viewed from the pile behind you, the blade is going up on the left and down on the right. When you're pitched up, that's in effect increasing the blade angle. um, The angle of attack angle of attack on the right blade. And you're decreasing the angle of attack of the pitch on the, the left blade, the blade that has that is coming up. So the blade that is descending on the right side is taking a bigger bite out of the air than the blade on the left side, which is bigger bite is causing more, um, thrust to be produced by the right side of the propeller, the blade, the propeller blades, as they're going down through the air, than the left side of the propeller with the blades going up through the air. And that's going to cause a yaw, uh, through the vertical axis uh, towards the left, so that's the last left-turning tendency is the, and they call that asymmetrical loading P factor. In the pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge, is that um, is that what you're teasing at there right at the end of the uh, the gyro conversation you shared going yeah
1: yeah that that's it um I I'm still we have we haven't even described I feel maybe I missed it you'll catch it and edit but I felt like we didn't even describe why gyroscopic precession was a left turning tendency because it depends on which way you put force on the gyroscope it can be in any turning tendency it just happens to be in a tailwheel airplane it's a left turning tendency because you're raising you're raising the tail lowering the nose, and so, in the plane of rotation of the gyroscope, where you're exerting force by bringing the nose down, it's creating a left-turning tendency, a left-turning uh, moment due to gyroscopic precession. That principle, I just I didn't remember us actually describing why it was a left-turning tendency. We described kind of what gyroscopic precession is, but we didn't describe why it was a left-turning tendency. But most people won't experience it, anyways.
0: Yeah, it's it's mainly a tailwheel thing, and the thing to keep in mind that too, if you are in an airplane, for exa- like a tailwheel airplane, that the propeller rotated opposite, that would throw the out of the window because you're, it, it'd be opposite of everything. It's completely dependent on which way that propeller is rotating, which way. Um, all, of pro- all of these. All of the yeah the. A propeller becomes a gyroscope, and even the
1: P factor is different. Everything's different.
0: Yep, slipstream is hitting in that case the right side of the vertical tail. Yes, um, which is going to push it to the left, which is going to turn it to the right. So basically, if your prop's turning the other way, all of these change to right-turning tendencies for the most part.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. The first airplane that comes to mind is a De Havilland Chipmunk. Is what most people are going to see. Uh, It happens to be tailwheel as well, so the gyroscopic procession is a factor. Um, And then everything else Rob just said, 100%. 100%, Everything will be backwards. It's going to be all about left rudder instead of right rudder.
0: The Havilland chipmunk? i never heard of this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. like, everybody should just, that should be the first thing that comes to mind for everybody. That's the only thing that comes to mind to me. Well, I mean, I, I feel like everybody, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Rob, right? Yeah, if you have time
0: in a De Havilland Chipmunk, email Mr. Griffin and and let him know. Well, I mean,
2: who doesn't? I, that's that's like the first thing. Like as soon as you think of that, it's like, oh yeah, De Havilland Chipmunk. I'm sure that the, everybody in the audience feels the same way too.
0: Yeah.
1: I hope that I hope they do. And if they didn't, they do now. Yeah, yeah. We've all walked away smarter, which is the goal.
0: So when you're when you're instru- if you're going through the training, which a large segment of the audience um, working on private, and your instructor gets into the left turning tendencies, bring up the De Havilland Chipmunk. I'm sure he or she would be happy to explain it to you. And they're going to go, who who have you been listening to? They're going to be sending Scott hate mail, which is official hate mail account of the foreign Podcast. Scott Boris's email.
2: <laughs> that's 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 fine. Yeah, the good old have and chipmunk. Mm. I didn't know of an example. There's a. There's got to be a lot of those out there. What years was the chipmunk made,
1: Lee? 40s. Uh, I mean, they probably quit. Well, so, I don't know when they quit making them. I don't know when they came out of service. They, were, they
2: made so many of them that they're just everywhere. I mean, you can't even go to an airport without. There's the airport. a fair amount of them. Like there's a fair amount of them.
1: There's an airport locally around us that has one. How many? How many? How many do you think they built? Um, I couldn't even. I couldn't even give you a guess. Eleven hundred. 1, Twelve hundred and eighty-four. Well, I was pretty close. I said eleven hundred.
2: That's not very many. Not very many. Well,
1: I'm sorry. What what years? I'm gonna say they left service uh, in '54. Maybe quit making them in '49.
2: Introduction '46. Retired '55.
1: I said '54.
2: No, production was 47
1: to 56. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, whatever. I know that the engine spins the other direction.
0: You haven't flown one, have
2: you? No. It'd be interesting to fly one. Really? Who hasn't flown one? I've flown several of them.
1: <laughs> That's your next part
2: out, isn't it? It's the Hell yeah. And chipmunk. Yeah. There's so many of them. I doubt the
0: parts market will make that a wise purchase for Scott. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Probably not.
0: That, uh, yeah the the gyroscopic precession just that is causing mainly tail wheel. We got into that. I think we covered that pretty well. Um, it's mainly a rotation when the tail wheel comes up causes left turning tendency uh, based on gy- the way gyroscopes o- operate. I mean that's how you're. Uh, it's how your attitude indicator works in your dash. It's got a gyro going inside there and then your airplane is turning around that and it's that gyro is staying rigid in space in theory. It eventually processes and over time gets a little bit off. Um, and then same thing with uh, your directional gyro. All your gyro instruments are gyros and it gets the reading... F- Based on precession, it's something you as a pilot should understand beyond just left-turning tendencies. Which, again, if you had a deprived childhood where you never got to play with a gyro, order one and have it on your desk and mess around with it like a little kid, and you'll learn this so much faster than three of us can explain via a audio format for the the gyroscope part of this. Yeah. And then, do we, we cover asymmetrical loading? Um, I feel like we dabbled in that, but yeah, that's basically when you bring the nose up. That right, the the blade coming down is going to be producing more thrust than the blade going up, and yep. that's going to cause more thrust on your right side. Just going to kind of yaw you over to the left, and that is the last left turning tendency. Yep, that's it. And uh. No- what you do all these is uh use your rudders, hit that right rudder, and it magic things happen. you overcome most of the stuff the way it's the way the airplanes are designed to just something to be aware of.
2: once you fly enough, it's just you don't really have to think about it. it's just natural.
1: I don't want to say this Scott, but in a one fifty Some well, of these airplanes will right. make life difficult.
2: but I imagine. If you fly a Saratoga every day, it's not going to be that big of a deal. It's just going to be like riding a bicycle, like correcting for that. It just comes natural. Right?
1: No? I would would say that it's much more prominent in your mind. You're thinking about it a lot more. By comparison, I would say none of these factors are present in a 150. By comparison, they're there, obviously. Like scientifically, duh, they're there. Yeah. But compared to a Saratoga, like like that was like one of the first things you said. I mean, it's significant if you rotate early in a Saratoga and you do, you know, the the low airspeed nose off the ground type takeoff, like I said, like a short field type takeoff in a Saratoga. It is a significant amount of rudder, and honestly, probably a lot of pilots wouldn't even have enough leg strength to do it, to be honest with you. You know, if you drive stick shift, maybe you'd be really good at putting in left rudder, but that doesn't, you know, because you're using the clutch a lot. But, you know, with the right rudder, it's a different feeling. Most people don't have that muscle memory to put that right, use their right foot, their right leg like that, and then hold it for the cl- the whole takeoff and climb out. That's why, you know, bigger, high-performance high uh, singles have that rudder trim because you can't hold that up to 9,000 feet or something, you know, it's just not, not practical, but I, I would say, I mean, I wouldn't want to downplay it. Obviously it becomes, you know, you get used to it. Yes. But I wouldn't say that you ever forgot about it? Like, I mean,
2: well, no, but just becomes like, I just don't
1: want to, I just, I feel like I need to kind of get us between your statement and my statement. We need to kind of get people understanding the middle is I'm not saying that you're wrong. Cause I mean, but, don't don't think that it can't be a factor in a runway excursion.
0: Well, yeah, a runway excursion. Runway excursion. You said this in the past. Where does this come from? I've heard this from you before. That's like a polite way of saying ground loop, right? Or running the plane off the side of the runway. Uh,
1: yeah, ground loop. Took it off the side of the runway. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I I don't know if I heard it somewhere or, or what. I'm sure that I did. I'm not that creative.
0: Off runway excursion. The polite way of saying you're messed up and got the plane off the runway. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you're having a good old time, but you're probably really not.
0: No, I've had a, uh, I've had a runway excursion at a right. Hollywood airport. Oh, and we, we all have, man, I wish I had the f- audio, the, company with the the playback where you can listen to atc recordings what happened it wasn't like like, wasn't working when that happened would have been so good we have that audio now for the show we could play back excellent and on that note um it just popped into my mind i've been meaning to say this if anyone has experience getting the audio like out of the airplane like recording it like Recording the conversation that's going back and forth between like pilot and student instructor or person sitting in the front left seat person sitting in the front right seat that records that conversation back and forth and uh, everything that's happening over the air traffic control on the radio and be able to record that shoot me an email. I'd love to I w- basically I want to set Scott's airplane up so that everything can be recorded and then we'll have stuff we could play on the show that I think would be interesting if like le-
2: um is my instructor is really flaky like we're going to like <laughs> record we're going to so, record we're going to record like a flying lesson and then like pull pieces out of it that'd be awesome but like he's just so like flaky you know you just never know we don't have so
0: yeah so we're going to Basically, I want to have Scott's plane rigged up to record basically everything that happens in the plane for the rest of time uh, for just, I think it'd just be great.
2: That would be highly entertaining. Yes, it would. Yes. It would. It'd be great. That'd be be some great material.
0: Yes, because the the conversations you have with AC are
2: amazing. A lot of, yes, we should definitely do some ATC work with the recording equipment set up. That would be amazing. As someone, as someone who's witnessed Scott Boris
0: interact with air traffic control, it is very unique way uh, of air traffic control interaction that I feel like needs to be documented and (laughs) saved for posterity. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's all I got on this stuff. Uh, You got anything to wrap it up later?
1: no i think i think we covered it always open to questions too
0: yep we got a uh la, 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 five star written review um we originally read this when we recorded an episode about cross-country flight plan or training or something with echo i forget what it was uh audio file got messed up we uh lost the episode we recorded uh but so we're now reading this out of order this is uh Five stars, fun and informative show. I look forward to Thursday each week and my commute to from work. I'm a 40-plus-hour solo student. I fly both a 172 and a Cherokee 180. I'm finishing up my requirements and practicing for my check ride. Hoping to have it done by the end of the year. Thank you for the great balance of knowledge and entertainment. Keep it up. Happy holidays, corndog. This is obviously we're reading this late. Yeah. Um, uh, this episode will come out, I think, at the end of January, beginning of February. Uh, but yeah, we finally got it in there. Out of order. Thank you, Corn Dog, for the five star review. And uh, flying both the one seventy two and the Cherokee one hundred and eighty. Be curious. Uh, we've had a lot of discussions about the uh, the different aircraft like that,
1: and many more to come, I'm sure.
0: Scott and I are more Cessna leaning. Lee's more Piper leaning. Uh, just curious if you kind of learned in both of those. Uh, shoot us an email. Let us know your thoughts on uh, those two two different two different uh, planes. That'd just be interesting.
1: Yeah, I would say yeah, yeah. Definitely keep us posted. Let us know how your check ride went, if and when you take it, if you haven't already. If you haven't already, good luck and Merry Christmas little merry late
0: christmas. late merry christmas Yeah, a little bit we'll do merry christmas hey, for we can next only do year what we can do
1: we can only do yeah yeah, yeah. early yeah. merry Christmas.
0: Yeah. early yeah. 2021 20, merry christmas right. uh yeah yeah definitely curious on uh, the check right stuff shoot us an email we we like that it's our preferred method of communication my email is f-a-r-a-i-m at robert b-e-r-g-e-r this is the german way not is this sandwich way Mr. Griffing is F-A-R-A-I-M at LeeGriffing.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G. And Scott is F-A-R-A-I-M at ScottBoris.com, B-O-R-E-S. And, uh, yeah, that's – do you have anything left on the review? I kind of just – that was a good spot to run in with the emails, but, yeah. Uh, obviously, 172 is probably more enjoyable of an airplane to own um, and fly, but, uh, yeah. We'll uh, will wait for your reply, Corn Dog. Nah, uh, love to hear how that uh, how that experience went. And check ride too. The check rides are always interesting as well to hear someone who's just gotten out of a check ride or done a check ride semi-recently.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So the Brendan Saunders episode, people like that because he went through it all so fast. So he like went through every check ride within the last ten months when then he came on the show. If you haven't heard that one, check that out. Uh, it's Student to CFI in 10 Months, I think, is the title of that. It's one of our previous shows. Uh, that's all that's all I got for this one. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening. Uh, till next time, take care.
1: Thanks, guys. See you.
2: Are you doing tequila shots? Are you gotta lick the uh, salt. Oh no, I'm not looking forward to drinking that. I, I'm gonna mix it with Coke. I don't even know if you're supposed to do that with tequila. That's all I have. I don't think. I don't think you can. You don't think you can? What are you supposed to mix it with? I mean, you can. You you can, but uh, I don't know what you're supposed to mix I it like with. Feel like Coca
0: Cola's, and I feel like a Sprite would be better. I could mix it with seltzer water. Any Sprite on hand. I would definitely no. do a
2: Sprite over a Coke. I with Lee. I could do seltzer water. I have I have seltzer water. Tequila is just disgusting. It might be better than
0: Coke. It is. It, yeah, I I would I would exhaust all their options for.
2: I wish I could help you out here. I got a f- a few items on hand, but I don't know.